internet. I'm your husband host, Travis McElroy. And I'm your wife host, Teresa McElroy. And you're listening to Schmanners. It's extraordinary etiquette. For ordinary occasions. Hello, my dove. Hello, dear. How are you? Well, we're all on the mend around here. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you're 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 getting back up to it. Um, you were ill, but now you're getting better. I'm on the mend. I'm feeling better. Now mm-hmm. I've gotten to a place where I think COVID's gone. Now it's just seasonal allergies. <laughs> yeah. All yeah, right. I am also feeling that that fall drainage. Being um, a fall, spooky season. So spooky. We have decorated our house. Um, and it seems like all the YouTube videos the kids are watching are all about witches and zombies and ghosts and goblins and sure all of it's that, that stuff. time of year where you take uh, like daddy finger, daddy well, mommy finger, you know sister finger, brother finger songs. But now it's like daddy mummy, mommy mummy, sister mummy, or like daddy yeah. goblin, sister god. It's just like the same song, but now we've put like skeleton into it. Yeah, I Indeed. love them. Oh, I'm. I mean, I don't really feel strongly one way or the other. The kids seem to enjoy them. The kids seem to enjoy them. The kids do seem to enjoy them. There's a period of time in the calendar year betwixt like April to September where some stuff happens and it's summer and everything. But all the holidays are fairly like single day event holidays. Mm-hmm. But yeah. then you get into October, and it's like, now we're in, <laughs> like, the season. Until uh, November, and then you start getting that Christmas creep. This, this is what I'm saying, right? You get spooky season, and then you're into, like, the Thanksgiving season, and then you're into the... I don't think Thanksgiving season really exists. It's all Christmas now. Now, hold on. The Thanksgiving <laughs> season exists if you're like me, and you, like, are planning, like, your dishes and meals and stuff. Oh, speaking of which, we have not ordered a turkey. Okay. Ooh. Hey. <laughs> Let's focus up. What are we talking about hey, this week? Listen, I'm just I'm just playing with the banter here. Going with you. Okay. Accompanying you on this journey. We are talking about today Victorian death photography. Oh boy. Um, you know, we have I think that it's very interesting our kind of uh cultural obsession with the Victorian era. It was a very long time. A lot of change took place. Um, But it's far enough away that their culture seems completely different from ours. And if you are interested in more Victorian business, uh, Victorian funerals is a great one to listen to. That would be episode 284, by the way. Um, But here's the thing. Death was an everyday part of their lives. In the Victorian era. Um, Disease was rampant. Uh, Infant and childhood mortality rates were pretty high. Um, Is this around the time, were we dealing with like the miasma from the Thames at this point? Or was that earlier? So the germ theory of disease is right on the cusp. Um, But we still don't quite understand how it works. Um, the Victorian era saw like a lot of cholera outbreaks, sure. right? And we finally had figured out that it had to do with the uh, the sewage water, right? But the the issues that would be relatively minor today had not been uh, medical science had not caught up to it at all, right? Okay. And um, yes, this is so. This is in the Victorian era, the Great Stink. This is yes. called was eighteen fifty three. I just looked it mm-hmm. up. So, um, 
death is not just death, <laughs> but stink. Yes. Yes. Uh, penicillin in particular would not be developed until 1928. So yeah. it is, uh, even if we do understand what's happening at this point, we have no, no way to fight it. It's just trying to keep people like comfortable, yeah. I guess, as they die, but not just like that. Also, I mean, we understood that people needed to be warm if they were cold and there was a there was a like a thing about the fever, but we didn't know exactly if we should encourage the fever or discourage it, you know, all this kind of stuff. Anyway. In retrospect, it is one of the most magical things about Christmas Carol that it's just like at the end they're like, and they got really good doctors for Tiny Tim and he was fine. Like, was he? Hold on. How good at doctors are we talking here? Because it was like the <laughs> mid-1800s. I mean, we've talked about this. Probably some sort of nutritional deficiency um, okay. exasperated all of his ailments. So when you get a good doctor that says, hey, you have rickets. <laughs> yeah. Maybe anyway. it's scurvy. Thanks, Doc. Okay. Um, so memento mori. Was yeah. a common saying at this point um, because it's a artistic, like symbolic trope that is a reminder of the inevitability of death. Well, it's also important. Memento Marius, remember you will die. Uh, it's important to note too, as we talk about this, that like European, like especially uh, waspish. I think I Catholic too. I don't know. I wasn't raised Catholic, but um, other cultures are much more comfortable with like death as just a part of the experience than yeah. we are. Cause if you think about things like even just like Dia de los Muertos, where it's just like, it's a celebration of like our, the ghost of our ancestors. And we talk about it. Whereas we now, especially in like the U S culture really like to pretend like, yes, it's a death, but uh, let's not focus on that part so much. They went to the afterlife and we're just going to keep plugging along down here. Uh, don't worry about it. Don't think about it. Death I is mean, very scary and bad. Also, we're so removed from it because people don't die at home anymore. Yeah. We have um, nursing homes. We have hospice care. We have hospitals. It's it's just not it's not next to us the way that it used to be. Um, and so, like, what the Victorians like to do is they would have a memento, so like an object mm -hmm. that would help them remember the person, right? Um, and their artwork in general included a lot of iconography of skulls and coffins and bones and hourglasses sure. and wilting flowers and all this other kinds of stuff um, so that it was not a, just a, remind, a reminder of the person that you've lost, but also like death in general is... Yeah, I mean, the gothic feel is yeah. this whole deal, right? Like, if you look, it's, I love, uh, a great example of this is, like, if you look at, I think it's the Munsters house. Yeah, the Munsters, right? Have that very, like, gothic Victorian house, mm -hmm. right? And that thing that now we see and we associate with, like, it's like a spooky haunted witch house. But it's just, like, everybody was like, yeah, give me that kind of uh, very, like, it looks like it's made out of, the roof is cobwebs. And we've got like just like wrought iron everywhere. Uh, yeah, just kind of spooky house. Everybody lives in spooky houses. We can all agree on this. This is the aesthetic <laughs> we're all going for. Spooky houses. Okay, great. Thank you. 
So one common way was uh, sometimes people made like hair jewelry, mm-hmm. right? Um, even like hair pa- pictures. Um, you would even as as much as just like keeping someone's hair in like a bottle that you would wear as a necklace or something. This is um, also but another way. Era is also the time when like taxidermy becomes a big thing. I don't think they taxidermied yeah. people, mind you, but. No. Uh, the idea of like preserving bones and skulls and like taxidermy animals. So like they were all pretty fascinated with like preserving things after death in general, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. not just people. And one of the common ways that they did that was with postmortem photography. And it was so common, in fact, that it actually they called the photographs themselves memento mori. Now, but this isn't entirely new, right? Because if you go to like an art gallery with like paintings from like the 1500s, 1600s or whatever, it's like if you wanted a painting of someone, they would most often, especially mm, the, the trigger warning for things about kids, uh, especially if you wanted a kid to sit still for a thing, it was almost impossible. So if a child died early, especially like a rich, you know, king or queen or prince or whatever, they would paint them. And that's why the eyes were often when you see those old paintings is like, huh, there's something off about that. It's like, well, because the eyes were closed and they painted them because they were dead. But um, this is new. And, and well, because photographs were relatively new. So the first camera was invented in 1816 by a Frenchman named Joseph Nispiornipis. Okay. And I had, Better than I would have done. I try. I try. Um, but he didn't really produce a proper photograph for almost 10 years after that. Um, he took a picture out his window, and that shot actually took like 10 hours to make. Mm. Um, but it got better and better. It was still expensive, but not as expensive as like a portrait, like you said, right? Yeah. Um, and so the upper classes flocked to this because it offered them a permanent image of their deceased loved ones, you know, who had never been photographed, right? Because it was pretty new. And you have to um, sit so long. You did. The exposure time was very long, which is why a lot of these photos that we see of the first photographs, people aren't smiling because it's so hard to hold a smile still. Right. But if you're trying to keep like a relaxed face, that's a lot easier for these long exposure times. That's also why we see uh, oftentimes one person is sitting or people kind of even were often like like held in place, like kind of like propped up almost. Oh, and you know about that the kid would... photos, right? We talked about this, right? Right, yeah, where the mom is sometimes like disguised with a rug. Or yeah, like they would cover the with curtains. like fabric and she would like sit on the chair, but like on top of the chair and try to pose like a chair. And then the child would like <laughs> sit on her lap so the child would stay still. Right, yeah. Uh, um, this is also photograph uh, and photography in general is also during this period is fun uh in this same kind of spooky feeling because photography was so like well it's in a photo right like it's proof it's right there it's in a photo and so because of these long exposure times it was really easy to do a lot of like film trickery of like Mm -hmm. you start Mm -hmm. the thing and then you like bring a ghost or whatever into it and some like cheesecloth and then it the, the spiritualism was huge during this era and so they would be like, see, a ghost is in the photo. And people were like, well, if there's a photo of it, I mean, I don't know what to tell you guys. It's clearly real. It's in a photo. What are you going to do? Like change a photo in some way? Come on. 
Come on. But of course they changed it. Oh, yeah. um, and so it was actually pretty common to see the living descendants around the person who was dead. And that's why often you see a little kind of like the blurriness of the alive people. But the the deceased is often very sharp, mm-hmm. right? Because they are very still. Yeah. Um, and so there were lots of, lots of tricks that people used. Like um, they often would photograph children posed as if they were sleeping, which mm. I think is very peaceful, right? Sure. Um, some would uh, edit their picture on polished silver so you could uh, give them kind of like a, a bit of a glow, right? Whoa. Make oh, them nice. look a little lively that way. Um, and you could also alter them slightly with like colored pencils just mm. a little bit, like... The the colorizing photographs is is something that would come along definitely a lot later, but there were little tips and tricks that you could give uh, to make them look a little bit more uh, lively. Uh, if you look on YouTube, there's uh, Ask a Mortician. Mm. She has some very interesting uh, videos, and a lot of the the, the myths. Right. Uh, That we hear about, like those stands. Right. That I talked about. They were pretty flimsy. You really couldn't stand up a deceased person. Uh, So those stands were usually used for live people, like I said, Um, to help support you because you had to stand for so long. Right. Yes. To help support you still. Right. It's it's more like just kind of like bracing you mm-hmm. and not because but you have to support your own weight. Those stands are, are really flimsy. They're not really for other people, other dead people. Um, so usually these people were photographed sitting or laying down um, because like the phenomenon of rigor mortis only lasts so long. Mm hmm. Um, you know, think about Weekend at Bernie's, yeah. right? I do all the time, babe. I think about it all the time. <laughs> yes, you do. I talk um, about it. I probably, I would say at the upper end of people who talk about, I'm not going to say the most out of anyone on earth, because there are probably people who talk about Weekend at, Mor- Weekend at Morty's, Weekend at Bernie's more than me. Uh, but, but it just, the movie has such troubling connotations to it. Throughout, it sure it's, oh boy. It was still kind of a, we're trying to demystify it, right? But there was still kind of a, an eeriness yeah, around it. Uh, some of these photographs were taken in studios, but most often they were taken in the subject's home. So that allowed the Victorians to carry out their, like, their preparation of the bodies. Uh, we talked about this in the funeral episode. There were certain things that you would wear and you would wash them and, and you know, do things like that. Um And so, like, you could – it was part of the grieving process. Right. You take care of the body at home. You get this picture. And it's, like, kind of like a bookend of their life, right? And I think, once again, it's so important to to reiterate because I just had this click into my brain. When we think about – and I'm going to take this picture with a dead person – it feels disrespectful now. It feels because I think, especially since we think about uh, how commonplace, like I'm going to take a selfie is, and like taking a selfie mm-hmm. with a dead person is what I pictured. And it's like, yeah, that's horrible. This is not that. It was a completely exactly. different cultural phenomenon that was part of, as you said, the like saying goodbye process. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so it can be difficult 
to look at an old picture and try and figure out, are are the people pictured? Were they deceased at the time of the photograph? Because they're definitely um, deceased now. Yes, they definitely are now. Um, but if you if you look at a photograph, you can get that kind of, it's almost a feeling where you, if there's something not quite right, they, they're probably deceased. But most of the time, you know, like we talked about moms like being covered in a rug to hold their kids still or like a lot of times they took pictures of people who were sleeping anyway, especially children, babies and things, because that was when they were the most still. And that's when you would get a good photograph. Um, so if you if you have an inkling that they're they might be alive, they probably are. Not anymore, though. Not anymore. Okay. Yes. Just to clarify. Yes. Uh, I want to learn so much more about this, Teresa. But first, how about a word from another Max Fun show? All right. Hello, dreamers. This is Evelyn Denton, CEO of the only world-class, fully immersive theme resort, Steeplechase. You know, I've been seeing more and more reports on the blogs that our beloved park simply isn't safe anymore. Mur- murdered them? I'm gonna wreck it. They say they got mugged by brigands in the fantasy kingdom of Ephemera, or hijacked by space pirates in Infinitum. I mean, I could have a knife. My papa said that I needed to do a crime. Friends, I'm here to reassure you that it's all part of the show. These criminals were really just overzealous staff trying to make things a little more magical for our guests. We're just as safe as we've always been. This isn't a county fair, dreamers. This is Steeplechase, the Adventure Zone. Every Thursday at MaximumFun.org. Since the dawn of time, man has dreamed of bringing life back from the dead. From Orpheus and Eurydice to Frankenstein's monster, resurrection has long been merely the stuff of myth, fiction, and fairy tale. Until now. Actually, we still can't bring people back from the dead. That would be crazy, but the Dead Pilot Society podcast has found a way to resurrect great dead comedy pilots from Hollywood's finest writers. Every month, Dead Pilot Society brings you a reading of a comedy pilot that was sold and developed but never produced, performed by the funniest actors from film and television. How does Dead Pilot Society achieve this miracle? The answer can only be found at MaximumFun.org. Here's a question. It might be jumping ahead. I don't know. When you would take these photos, right, you'd give these photos back. Was this like a, and we display them proudly? Or is it like a, yeah, we'll look at them if we miss the person, but like, it would be weird to put it up in the, like on the mantle. Well, these these things were, um, I mean, I suppose you certainly could if it appeared very, very lifelike. I mean, these Pictures were often taken, like I said, in the home with their favorite things around, either in their favorite chair or if they happen to unfortunately be children with uh, dolls or, you know, cradles and things like that. Um, You could display them, but more often they were kept kind of like as a personal thing. So like in lockets and stuff and in like lids of pocket watches and, and things like that. It was supposed to be for the people who knew them, right? It's not like... When you think about like a portrait of like the countess or whatever that looms over the dinner table, like over the what is that, the mantle or whatever, like that's supposed to convey some kind of like power over you. Right. So 
portraiture is of the people who who are living, uh-huh. right? And that's that's supposed to to help with their status or Got whatever. Okay. But people who are not, it was more kind of a a, a personal thing. And there's a lot of really great. Um, of, uh, of people who have written about their experiences with postmortem uh, photography. So English author Mary Russell Mitford uh, so noted that her father's 1842 postmortem photograph had a heavenly calm about it sure. that gave her peace when it came to his passing. Um, again, deeply personal, right? Uh, Victorian poet Elizabeth Barrett Browning said, It is not merely the likeness which is precious, but the association and the sense of nearness involved in the thing, the very shadow of the person lying there fixed forever. Now, I will um, say, not to get too maudlin for a moment, but as someone who, like, lost uh, a parent young, right, uh, I can see where... So much of what we do in, like, the grieving process, in fact, I would say all of what we do in the grieving process, is for the grieving, not the grieve-ed. The grieve-ed has moved on, right? Yes, And yes. They, they are dead. And the person grieving, I can see where having this thing that's like, this is, there is a finality to, we took this photo, this is done, Instead of it just being like a slow, is that the last memory? Is this the last memory? Is that the last thing, right? Of like, if you think about in this day and age where we have phones and we have, uh, you know, computers, we have all these things. There's so many chances to have all of these, like, is this the last recording of this person's voice I have? This is the last photo. Well, I had a photo from later and I had a photo from, right? Like, I feel like this happens a lot with Facebook. Right. We see preserved people's Facebook pages long after they're gone and like you can't always you don't know my Facebook password or whatever so like even their family I know you pretty well at this point (laughs) I think I can figure it out even their family sometimes have a hard time like uh, I have I have a friend who passed away unexpectedly and people from uh, our school that we went to often post on their wall on their birthday um, which is Interesting to me, a, a quick look, you can see that obviously this person is gone, right? Um, because, like, they're not liking <laughs> the well wishes or whatever. Um, but it can be a little jarring to go through my feed and see, oh, well, yeah, they posted on, they someone posted on their wall again. And then you get that reminder of that grief. It, you're right. It doesn't feel finite, but I think that the the picture is a really great way to make, to, like I said, give it a bookend. Right. And this very much feels like, and this is our last memory, last interaction. This is, it has, as you said, it is final. This is, and it's done. And then everything after that is like moving forward, I guess. I don't know. Mm-hmm. It's, it's interesting mm-hmm. because on some level we talk about, when we talk about like Victorians and death, of like, it feels very much like, on some level, it was a much healthier like approach to it of everyone will die, death is a part of life. Uh, you know, we experience the death in a full way. But then also all of these rules regarding like, when you go into mourning, how long do you have to wear black for? Like how, well, how close were you to this person? In what way did they die? All this stuff, right? Where it's just like, right. yeah, but it was also very scripted. 
And so then it's like, so on the one hand, it was like a very upfront, we're dealing with this uh, in a, uh, you know, very like tangible, we're acknowledging this happened. We are not in denial about death. But at the same time, we're not really dealing with it on a purely emotional level. We're going through steps and assuming that when we finish those steps, we'll be fine. Uh, which may or may not be true, obviously. Yeah. Um, but I also think that some, in some ways, that's a really great thing to have. Like, you're, have your little to-do list and your process. And a lot of times people are concerned about, well, after my spouse has died, how long do I have to wait before I seek the company of someone new? Or Half the time that you are together. We've not, wait, no, wait, that's for breakups. Sorry, sorry, that's... sorry, never, never mind. <laughs> And what what do I talk to my children about? You know, all this kind of stuff like they had answers. They had a script for that that was, quote, socially acceptable. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, And so in a way that that would be really great for me. Um, I don't. Are you planning on killing me? (laughs) (laughs) This is how I find out. (laughs) I, I don't have any any personal interest in exactly how long I have to wait. You didn't say no. Why didn't you say no? Of course not, sweetheart. Well, now you say no. <laughs> huh. Okay. All right. If something happens to me, everybody just remember this. <laughs> that Moment- I waited. Memento the- Mori by Teresa. <laughs> that I waited the appropriate amount of time. <laughs> to say no, I won't kill you or to get remarried? <laughs> oh, no. I'm never getting remarried. This is way too much work. What? <laughs> oh boy. Oh boy. You're allowed to get remarried, by the way, if you if you really must. I don't know. I don't know. Who has the time? <laughs> <laughs> See? No, listen, See? I know. But for you, you're saying <laughs> the act of being married to me is a lot of work. I'm saying the act of going out and being like, do I want to be even like, are you it? That's the, I don't even know how I was so lucky to be able to marry you, let alone. I'm a poor judge of character in general. The chance that I get a second chance and I'm just like, yeah, she's another good one. Out of the question. Out of the question. I if If you die unexpectedly. I'm going out on top 100% at bat range. I'm done. And I'm done. All right. Also, because I love you or whatever, I guess. Whatever, I guess. Yeah. (laughs) And plus, I'd probably have to get rid of a lot of stuff that I like now if I got remarried because I've slowly added dumb shit to, like, my areas in the house as we've been married. And you're like, what are you going to do with Travis's wife? And if I brought someone new in, she'd be like, this is a lot of Spider-Man stuff. And I'd be like, (laughs) yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Thank you. Uh, Memento, end of podcast. Remember, podcast will end. Thank you so much for joining us, everyone. Um, Let's see. Let's see. I want to say thank you to our editor, Rachel, without whom we would not be able to make this show. I want to say thank you to our researcher and writer, Alex, without whom we would not be able to make this show. And I want to say thank you to you for listening. We can make the show without you, but why? Um, go check out, we got new merch over at the Macroy Merch Store, Uh, including we got a brand new 
Garol blanket. Now Garol is uh, the spectral. I want one. I want one. I've already it's ordered beautiful. one. Beautiful. Yes. Okay. okay. Garol <laughs> is a spectral binocorn from the Adventure Zone, and this blanket—it's like a beautiful tapestry-looking blanket. You're gonna love it. Designed by Lynn Doyle. Um, go get that. We got Candle Mites wrapping paper. Um, and 10% of all merch proceeds this month go to the Fair Elections Center, which uses litigation and advocacy to remove barriers to registration and voting, particularly those disenfranchising underrepresented and marginalized community, and to improve election administration. So go to macroymerch.com this week. Yes, on October 6th. So by the time you listen to this, Steeplechase uh, episode one is going to come out. Uh, Chase, the setup episode is already out, so you can go listen to the first two episodes of, uh, the new Adventure Zone Steeplechase DM'd by Justin, uh, and 20 Rendezvous Fancy Takes Flight Tour tickets are on sale. Sorry again to everybody that we had to cancel our San Jose and Denver shows. I had the COVID. I am better now. So thank you, everyone, for your continued patience and support. Thank you. And we hope to see you at the next show. Yes, we will be uh, announcing new dates for those San Jose and Denver shows. uh, And tickets for the November shows are on sale now at bit.ly slash McElroy Tours. Those shows will be at Washington, D.C., Detroit, Michigan, and Cincinnati, Ohio. Mask and proof of full vaccination or negative COVID test within 72 hours of event start is required. And don't forget to pre-order your Taz 11th Hour graphic novels at theadventurezonecomic.com. What else, Teresa? We always thank Brent Brentofloss Black for writing our theme music, which is available as a ringtone where those are found. Thank you to Kayla M. Wasso for our Twitter thumbnail art. That's at Cast. And sometimes we get some excellent questions from you listeners, and that's where you can ask those questions. Uh, thank you to Bruja Betty Pennant Photography for the cover picture of our fan-run Facebook group, Schmanners Fanners. If you love to give and get excellent advice from other fans, join that group today. If you have topic suggestions or idioms that you would like to submit, please email us, schmannerscast at gmail.com, and say hi to Alex because she reads every one. And that's going to do it for us, (laughs) so join us again next week. No RSVP required. You've been listening to Schmanners. Manner Schmanners. Get it? MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.